0: Good morning, (laughs) great to be with you, Uh, the uh, astute amongst you who may have seen me speak before will know that I don't normally dress like this. Um, So the the skinny jeans, the uh, funky cap and uh, various bling that I'm wearing was all in uh, in aid of an event that we took part in uh, a couple of months ago now and uh, I was one-fifth of the uh, pop act which was the sensation of the moment Communion J. Picture right here. This was ours. I joined with some of the other leaders in the church. We, we took it seriously, got tattooed and everything. And um, we, we basically wanted to take part in uh, an event called New Day's Got Talent in order to raise money for our incredible youth group. How amazing are our youth? Come on now. And um, The reason that we did that is because we wanted to send them with as much uh, resource as possible to be able to have an absolute blast in an event called New Day, joining with five or seven thousand people um, over in a a field in Norfolk to worship Jesus and learn more about who he is. And uh, we had an amazing time. The New Day guys were incredible. King's Arms, we're so blessed by a phenomenal youth group. But, you know, at the end of that particular night, One gentleman came up to me. It was uh, Ben Rexworthy. And uh, and Ben said, Steve, 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 you have done great tonight. And he said, "Uh, look, I'll I'll give you £10 if you wear that the next time you preach. And I said to him, I said to him, Ben Rexworthy, do I look like the sort of person who would dress up in what you want me to for £10 next time I preach? And uh, I said, listen, the only way I'm going to do that is if you make it £100. And he went away dejected, came back about five minutes later with £100, and now I'm dressed like this. So... We can... We can blame Ben, and uh, I will take it for the team, and uh, I will wear this for the duration today. But listen, I'm here to speak to you, actually, as part of our History Makers uh, series that we've been going through in the summer, and uh, I'm going to be speaking to you about a phenomenal man, okay? So I want you tuned in, and it's a real life that's going to inspire us. And um, children, there are sheets available, activity sheets. Now, you're going to have to listen very carefully, because to get the answers correctly, you've got to listen to some of the stories that I tell you about our History Maker, okay? So the welcome team are going to fly around now with pens and activity sheets. Look out for those things, and if you complete them, you can run down here at the end, and I'm going to give you some sweets for it, all right? All right, okay. The history maker maker, that we're going to be speaking about this morning was was known as the children's champion, okay? Now, this children's champion was a real man of prayer and a man of faith, And a man who was utterly convinced that God had called him and wanted to use him for a mission. And so I genuinely believe that as I share some of his story, it's going to wake us up with the reality of what God's called us to, to persevere in prayer and faith. And I believe actually that God's going to start stirring up some visions and some um, passions that he's put on our hearts as we look at him. Okay. So what would you imagine a children's champion to look like? you know, maybe, maybe a cape, um, you know, maybe he would just be a guy of dashing good looks and uh, you know, a real chiseled chin and uh, kind of muscles on his muscles, wearing very dapper clothing. A little bit like me, I think? Um, well in actual fact, and that's right, he didn't really look a lot like that, this, this is the guy, the, the children's champion, so not, not quite so modern, funky and hip, I think you'll probably agree, but anyone know what this guy's name is? George Muller. George Muller. Who's heard of George Muller? Put your hands on the air if you have. Okay, a big chunk of you. That's awesome. Don't be embarrassed if you haven't. I want to tell you about his story. Now, George Muller is an absolute hero. He's an absolute hero. And uh, I'm going to tell you some of his life. And we're going to get inspired together. Okay? So he was born in a nation called Prussia, which actually doesn't exist anymore, it's on the eastern side of Europe alongside Russia, and uh, it was 1805 when George, who was a very young man, and his life was actually the fact that he was a very much an accomplished liar and he would steal regularly from anyone and everybody that he could get as close to, and on one occasion his dad caught him stealing. And his dad came up to George and he said, George, you must, you must reform yourself, that's why I think Prussians speak, it might be wrong, I don't know, George, you must reform yourself. Do not let me catch your stealing any longer. And, um, and so he became very careful not to be caught stealing any longer. You see, for George, he didn't think it was wrong to steal. He just thought it was wrong to be caught stealing, all right? And so by the time he was 15, when his mother died, he was actually playing cards with friends. He was gambling and he was addicted to alcohol and the addictions that he had and playing cards and so on. Now his father came to him again and said, George, you are lazy. He said, you are a liar. You do not like to work. I have found the perfect profession for you. You should become a pastor. Which I take a little bit personally, to be honest. Liar, don't like to work, lazy, become a pastor. I don't know. But anyway, And he said, listen there, you will only have to work one day a week. So he thought, right, I'll get a nice job as a pastor, and he went off to university. He was actually a very bright guy. He knew an awful lot of languages. He was very clever, and at times he was the model student. But he was living this double life of deception where he was secretly stealing, drinking, gambling. Even at one point, he he racked up so many debts just in hotels where he would party hard, and he would um, you know get loads of bills for the hotel rooms he was staying in, but then completely ignore them and not go there, that when he was uh, hunted down by the managers of the hotels, they threw him in prison. But these, during these university days, after he'd come out of prison, he did meet one Christian, a guy called Berta. And um, he invited him along to a prayer meeting. I guess it may be similar to a, to a church meeting like this. But he, that day, saw another man kneeling down and just praying before God, connecting with God. And at that point, he was utterly convicted of his sin. And he was struck by that famous verse, which he'd seen many times, John 3.16 where it says, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And It was at that very moment, that very night, that George Muller gave his life to Jesus and he stopped his actions and his uh, addictions were broken off him. He He wanted to become a missionary. God spoke to him about becoming a missionary, but he had no money, but he had no way of getting the money. He couldn't steal anymore. And so what he did is went to another pastor, a friend of his, who, who showed him to this verse in the Bible. He said, right, this is the verse that I'm going to take hold of. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so he had this deep conviction that God wished him to go to England, and he wanted God to speak to him and make a way. So he got an opportunity to go and be the pastor of a very small church there, a church of just 50 people. And for a number of weeks, he preached faithfully as best he could. And they no longer actually were a church of 50. They became a church of 30. And, uh, things went a little bit in the wrong direction. And the elders actually at the time said to him, Look, if we're gonna, we're gonna pay you, your salary is gonna be £55 a year. Was the salary back then? And, uh, the only way you're gonna be able to do that is by having pew rent which basically meant that as people come in, if they want to sit in a nice pew, they're gonna to need to pay a tax to be able to do it. And the seats at the front, which is you guys, you would have paid the most. So the wealthy people would sit up front, and the slightly poorer bad guys, apologies, would be you guys, okay? uh, But this was very expensive, but George immediately said, this is wrong, you can't charge people to come to church. And so he said, even though the other elders thought he was utterly foolish because he was just rejecting any money, he said, look, God will provide for me. I'm just going to put a box, he asked a carpenter in the church, I'm going to put a box at the back of the church with a little hole and a lock in it, and whatever the people feel like they want to give to God and give to to me, then that will be my salary. At the end of that first year, he actually didn't get the 55 pounds. God had provided 155 pounds. And it had started Muller's utter devotion and dependence on his father in heaven. And you know, it's known now that in his lifetime, it's thought that Muller gave away, in our equivalent money now, approximately 20 million pounds. When, When asked about why God would give him that money in order to bless other people, he said this, God brings much money to my hands because it does not stick to my fingers. Which I thought was such a brilliant line. And so the church did grow where he was at. It grew to several hundred, but he felt like God called him to the city of Bristol. Okay? And um, God, he said, put the orphans of Bristol on his heart. Now, to understand why this was the case, you've got to understand a little bit about England at the time. Because we were in an incredible time of industry and and change, and lots of things were were being shaped, but actually safety regulations weren't very good, and there was a huge amount of illness and disease. So many people died, many parents died, leaving orphans alone. So the estimates suggested that 250,000 orphans were across England without a single orphan orphanage. Now, even the children that were there then, they were either taken away to prison so that they could just be housed somewhere. So often they would learn crime and, you know, things to do there. Some of them were put in kind of asylums and places for the mentally ill. You know, others who, who managed to get jobs were often given crazy difficult jobs, like a chimney sweep, where they would have to tie a rope around the child as they put not just the brush, the child up the chimney. And it was there, if he got intoxicated with the, with the fumes and the smoke, if he were to die there, they'd yank him down with that rope. It was a quite horrendous time, but Muller was captivated by this vision. I cannot sit still while I see this difficulty, this pain, this this destitution around me, because he was filled with the compassion of God. And so Muller began to pray. He didn't tell anyone he was praying, he only ever told God. In fact, as you look at Muller's life, what you realise consistently is he had this policy that he would never tell anybody about the needs that he was in. In fact, if someone came up to him and said, look, do you need anything right now? All he would say was, I've told God what I need. If you want to give to me, ask God and he will tell you what to do. That's not to say he was against offerings. He was just said that that's what he felt God specifically said to him. And so he prayed for a house. God gave him a house. He prayed for a couple to be the parents in the house. And God gave him parents. He prayed for pots, pans, knives, forks, spoons, cups, saucers, plates, tables, chairs, beds, blankets. Everything you can imagine. And actually God provided on each occasion. And then he gave him 30 girls to look after. 30 in the first instance between 2 and 12 to live in their home with them. Do you know, he had this deep conviction, this isn't enough. And so God gave him a second house. And in that second house, they looked after 30 babies, young children, naught to two. And then they got a third house where they were able to support 30 boys, 90 children by this incredible couple who were just following God and trusting him to provide. And you know, it was not unusual, I understand, through this first 10 years that they would get up in the morning and literally have nothing in the house. They couldn't give any food to the kids at all. You know, they were so poor, they even sold their own wedding bands in order to give to these people who were in need. There was one particular occasion where he'd got around the table, you may have heard before, and they were praying, Father, You tell us not to worry about what to eat and what we should wear. And even as he was praying, knock on the door. I I own a dairy and there's a milk wagon that's broken down. It needs a new axle. The the, the milk is going to spoil if you don't take it. Would you like some milk? So they're gathering the pots and pans and they're filling it with milk and they're distributing it around the houses. And then Muller begins to pray again. He says, Father, I thank you for the milk. But I come boldly to you. We can't live on milk alone. Can we have something to eat? Knock on the door. There's a, there's a couple there. We own a bakery. We were woken up at 3 a.m. in the night. God is telling us to break bed, bread for you, make bread for you. Would you like some bread? They were giving this bread. Now, in the midst of all these incredible prayer answers, actually, he got a, a letter through the door, and the letter was from the people who owned the houses, the three places they were living in. The letter said, "Actually, you need to move out." Your orphans are making my property value plummet. I I can't do this anymore. And so it was the case that they knew that they needed to move, but such was Muller's faith in God that he knew God would have other plans for them. And there was a piece of property for sale at a place called Ashley Down, where there were seven acres. And the owner of the property, he knew, was looking for 200 pounds per acre. But Muller didn't have that kind of money. The only money he could scrape together was 120 pounds per acre. So he prayed put his trust in the Father, and went to bed. It was 5 a.m. the next morning when there was a man knocking at his door. The guy said this, I understand you wish to have the land that I have, and I've been awake all night pacing back and forth because I don't know what to do. I wish that I could just give it to you, but I can't because I have a debt, and so I was wanting to sell the property to pay the debt. I was willing to sell it for 200 acres because I wanted to pay the debt and make a profit. But to you, if you could just get together £100, 120 pounds per acre, it's yours. There was someone else who came to me on the back of prayer. They said, I will design the building for you. Another man said, I will give you the windows. Another one said, I will give you the slate for the roof. And one by one, this thing came together and it was able to house 350 orphans. So, you know, it doesn't stop there. Muller had been captivated by this vision and it wasn't enough. He realized there was too much of a need and so he built a second house for a thousand orphans. It was not enough. They built a third house and then a fourth and a fifth with over 2,500 children who didn't have parents and couldn't otherwise be supported, where he helped them, clothed them trained them, educated them, even though actually people thought they shouldn't be educated because they're, they're low, lower class. Actually, you're over-educating people. But he thought, no, there was value in these people. There was one winter that was cold, wet, it was miserable, and the boiler had broken down. There were some people who came out to see it. And uh, they said, look, it's going to take two weeks to, to, to fix the boiler. And so Muller, again, just started to pray to his father. And he said, look, these guys, they, they need to, they need to uh, fix this thing. Would you help us? Would you give them a mind to work? And they came back just the next day saying, Brother Muller, we have talked among ourselves, and we're not going to take two weeks. We will work around the clock, not stopping, and we think it's going to perhaps be three days. And then It's recorded. That actually, as Muller prayed, the weather was even bright, breezy. In the middle of winter, they got a summer's day for three days while this thing was fixed. You know, I'll tell you one more story. Because they had once a need for £20,000. Now, approximately now, that's around about the £600,000 mark, okay? Huge amount of money. And about this time, there was a guy who contacted Muller and said, Hey, I feel called to be a missionary to India. Would you support me? But he said, I've got these wealthy parents, and the wealthy parents, they want me to stay and look after the family business and to to not go to India. They don't understand. But I want to go anyway. What do you think? And Muller said to him, Kids, you can listen to this. He said, Honor your father and mother, and let us just pray that God might change their hearts. Now, a month later, God did change their hearts. And he was released to go to India. But again, he said, You know, I actually don't want to go alone. I would love for my sister to come with me. And so they prayed. And then a further month later, Mullah received a letter and a parcel. It said this, from the sister, it said, I know that you've been praying for me, and I'm now going to India. God has changed my heart, but I no longer have need for these gifts. Can you take them? And so Mullah slowly began to peel back the paper of the parcel, Totally began to take off the string and open the lids. And inside, he was astonished to see sapphires, diamonds, gold necklaces, and earrings. Selling them would pay far more than they actually needed for the £20,000. You know, in that moment, stood emotionally in that orphanage, he took one of the rings, one of the diamond rings, and Muller carved in the window the words, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. It was in 19, uh, sorry, 1844, excuse me, that Muller had been praying uh, and seen some incredible answers to prayer. But he realised there were five close friends of his who he realised didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They, they didn't know the joys of what it means to be a Christian. And he took upon himself that he would pray every single day for their salvation, every single day that they would come to know the Lord Jesus. And about 18 months after doing that, the first one of those five came to faith in Jesus. It was then another uh, five years before the next, and then 11 years for the next, 25 for the fourth, And then Muller died. Now you think, I would think, four out of five, that ain't bad. But then then I found out that actually amazingly at Muller's funeral was when the fifth person came to Jesus. Muller stopped personally working in the orphanages at the same time as his wife died at the age of 70. I don't know, I'm not going to ask you to put a raise of hands. How many of you guys are getting close to or beyond the age of 70? But when his wife died at 70, it was at that point when he embarked on a 17-year-long missionary journey. He traveled 200,000 miles, which at that time is an insane distance. No planes, no communication the way that we have. 200,000 miles in order to share God's message with the nation. 40 nations sharing God's work. And he worked with D.L. Moody, with Charles Spurgeon. He discipled and financed missionaries like Hudson Taylor. And then he died at 92 years old, being found kneeling beside his bed in prayer. You know, in Muller's lifetime, he had over 50,000 answers to prayer. And you might say, hold on, that's a crazy number. Where did you get that number from? Well, the reality is they actually do know because of the fact that he used to write the prayer requests down page after page journal after journal, and then as God answered, he would write the answer alongside it. Such an astonishing story. I wanted you to know and to hear George Muller's story, not to raise up George Muller, actually, much though he's a phenomenal man of God, but what I do want to do is lift up what God can do with a man fully devoted to him.